about you, but I enjoyed Mother's Day last week, just to take a little break and uh, thank our mothers, and uh, I've got a good mom, and uh, I think uh, I've got the best one, so I've got you all beat, so I really had a chance to to celebrate that, and I'll celebrate it again in a sense today, because it's her birthday today, she turned 44 again, and... uh, you know how people freeze in your mind? Like, she just froze at 44, and now I'm 44, so it's just, uh, it's amazing. But uh, it's, it, was a, it was a blessing to me to, uh, to take that day and, and focus on that. Today, we're going back into the book of Romans, and we're going to, uh, to return to chapter 1. So if you want to turn to chapter 1 of the book of Romans, if you remember the basic outline of the book of Romans, goes from sin to salvation to sanctification, security, selection, and service. We're right in in the uh, first stage there, sin, and dealing with sin, and uh, we've been talking about the path to wrath. In fact, really, once you get past the introduction, the first 17 verses of chapter 1, and you get to verse 18, it begins with the wrath of God. You think, wow, for, for a book that's about the good news, about the gospel, to begin with wrath, for the wrath of God is revealed. But we do not really understand the good news unless we understand the bad news. Isn't that true? <coughs> And so we found this path to wrath. And just to review what we covered for those few weeks, our starting point was that we're image bearers. God created man and he created woman in his image. We exist for the purpose of reflecting the glory of our creator. That's our purpose. And if we understand that purpose, then we know what we're being judged by. And oftentimes we have the world's notion of sin, that sin is nothing more than when you mistreat someone else and they don't like it. That's the definition of sin. No, sin is when we don't fulfill our purpose, and our purpose is to bear the image of our Creator. And that's where our starting point is. But when we look at this path towards wrath, path to the wrath of God, we see that phase one, moving away from that, is what we call ignorance. Ignorance. Now, we're not talking about ignorance in the sense of just not knowing it. Children are ignorant of a lot of the things that are going on in the political realm, right? They're just ignorant because they don't know about it, they haven't heard about it. This is a willful ignorance. Key word there is ignore, right? Ignore. We tend to ignore God. Remember what it said in uh, verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness or, or godlessness and unrighteousness of men who do what? Suppress the truth in their unrighteousness. By their unrighteousness, they use their unrighteousness to suppress the truth. Get that, that idea that the truth is evident, and we shut it out. We pretend like God doesn't exist, even though he does. And so that was the first step. The, the next step uh, that we talked about just two weeks ago was impurity. Impurity. Um, in Romans 1, verses 24 and 25, we read, Therefore, in light of the ignoring God... Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. Some translations even use the word impurity right there. Uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the, creator, or the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And so we see that ignoring God leads us towards impurity. And that as God is talking about uh, culture, he talks about society, and he's got a measuring stick. And that measuring stick is how society views the issue of sex. Right? So when they ignore God, what happens? Impurity. Sexual impurity. 
And uh, we talked about two different kinds last week of, of sexual uh, impurity. One was fornication, which is sex before marriage. And we talked about adultery, which is sex with someone other than your spouse. Uh, sex with other, someone other than your spouse. Uh, to look at the, the, the chart and understand, we have natural sins on the top, unnatural sins on the bottom. Then you have moral, or, uh, or, or uh, I shouldn't say sins, natural behavior on the top, unnatural behavior on the bottom. Then you have moral behavior on the left, immoral behavior on the right. As image bearers, our sexual activity fits in that upper left-hand quadrant, right? It's, it is natural and it is moral. When you have sex inside marriage, inside the, the bonds of marriage, we, we reflect the image of God. And oftentimes as Christians, I think we, we treat sex like it's something dirty, don't we? Or we just don't talk about it at all. But the Bible talks about it, so, so we're going to talk about it a little bit. The, the idea here is that inside the bonds of marriage, sex is a gift. It's what God, it's what God has, has, uh, has given to us. It's a gift. But when we ignore God then we shift from being the image bearers and we, we delve into the realm of impurity. Now, notice this is, these are sins at sexual activity that is now immoral. It is against what God has said. It is sin. It is immoral, but it's still in that natural realm. Fornication, adultery, those are, nor, those are natural sins. Are they not? The moment that we think that we are, are immune to those is the moment we are in trouble. Right? Because how easy is it to fall into a natural sin? It's natural. Right? It's, the, it's what will happen if you don't do something to stop it from happening. Right? It's what will happen. And, and so the moment you think, oh, that could never happen to me. I'm, no, I'm going to, if you're not married, oh, I'm going to save myself for marriage. Be careful. If you say, oh, I'm married and I'm going to stay, be careful. Right? Don't let your pride get a hold of you because these are natural sins. And those natural sins have consequences. I heard uh, a quote from, uh, from our vice president earlier this week. And, and, uh, and he said, since, God doesn't, since it doesn't matter to God who a person loves, and in the context his definition of love was to have sex with, since, God does not, or since it does not matter to God who a person loves, then it shouldn't matter to anyone else. Why should it bother God with whom a person decides to have sex? That's the, the, why should it bother God? I mean, the assumption, I think, is wrong. In fact, all we have to do is read Romans 1, and we see that it's wrong. But why? I just want to give you three reasons why I think uh, that it does bother God. Number one, uh, because sex is a sacred gift not to be treated as something casual. Right? Sex is a sacred gift not to be treated as something casual. What does the word sacred mean? It means set apart. In fact, uh, a word that we find, it's oftentimes translated as holy, right? It's sacred, it's set apart, it's holy. Uh, it, it has a special use. Uh, it's like china, right? How many of you eat every day on your china, right? You don't. Why? It's set aside, it's for special use. So when you invite someone over or you have, a, have an important meal or something like that, then you have child, right? Um, or how many of you, have, if you're parents, if you bought your child an Easter suit, let's say, and then you look outside the window and you see that son playing football in that suit, 
how would you feel? You'd be pretty upset, right? Why? Because that suit is not designed for football. It's designed for a special use. There's something special about it. That's how God views sex. Not that it's wrong, but that it is special. It's, it's something set aside for a special purpose, and it's not to be treated as something casual. The antonym of the word holy, and you find it all through, especially the book of Leviticus, the antonym for the, the word holy is common. Holy versus common. And so we, t- we, we ought not take something that is supposed to be holy, supposed to be special and treated as something common or casual. And when we do that, we're offending the giver of that gift. Does that make sense? And, and that's what, uh, what God is saying. And so sex is an expression of intimacy between a man and a woman bound by the vow of exclusivity, the vow of marriage. So sex outside of that ruins that. In fact, uh, the second reason I'd say because sex outside of that sacred context is devoid of meaning. It takes the meaning out. See, if, if sex is supposed to uh, represent the re- relational intimacy that, 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 is, that there is between two people, and, and now you treat it like it's something casual. In fact, on ABC Family uh, this week, I heard a quote. It was a commercial for a show. I don't even remember the commercial. Uh, but the one lady said to the other, she said, I'm going to give up uh, my rule, my dating rule, of not having sex until the seventh date. Because this guy was so hot or whatever. Right? ABC Family, right? which I'm convinced stands attacking biblical Christian family. Right? But um, that's what we find. And uh, is that the, the, normal, the norm now is to say it's something casual. If you've gone out with a guy a few times, then it's time. Right? But that's the society that we live in. That's the message that is being pushed and pushed and pushed. But sex outside of the context of marriage is devoid of meaning. I'm not saying that it's not enjoyable for the moment, but it is definitely subject to the law of diminishing returns. And uh, that is, with time and repetition, it will lose its meaning and value. Right? And so, the third reason is that because it messes up God's plan for the family. I want you to know something, especially as we're walking into where where our country's walking into right now, some of the decisions that that are being made even right now. We're not just redefining marriage. We're redefining family. Okay? I want you to, to, to note that. We're, we're not just redefining marriage in our culture. We are redefining the entire roles of parents. We're re- redefining family. Uh, let's just put it, make it as simple as possible. Here's God's design in a nutshell. Right? This is what God designed. God has made men and women different. Right? They're different. We can talk about how much they're the same, uh, and, uh, and I know that some people take the differences to say that one is better than the other. And No, clearly from God's word, who's made in, man, in God's image? Is it man or woman? Both, Both right? There's, it's, the Bible couldn't be more clear on that subject. So as far, as far as value goes, as far as all that goes, we are the same. But God has made us different, but yet complementary. Has he not? He's made us different, but complementary. Physiologically, we're different. Right down to the amount of red blood cells that we have, right? Our lung capacities are different. Our bone structures are different. Physiologically, we are not the same, but we're complementary. Psychologically, we are not the same, right? And uh, James Dawson has a lot of research on that, too. Uh, 
He's got some great research on the, the psychological differences. And guess what? What you find when you study science is what, what we find when you read the book of Genesis. It is not good for a man to be alone. Right? We need the compliment. We, we, we complement each other. Physically, we are complements of each other. Sex is just an example of that. But you, so when you, when you see that God has made uh, males and females different but complementary, we begin to understand the design of God. When we recognize the differences, when we recognize where we fall short, when we recognize those, it's actually the differences that attract us to each other, isn't it? I mean, it, it's, the, it's, it's, exact, it's exactly the opposite of, of what I am and it's what I'm, look, what I'm looking for in my life, right? And so those opposites attract. This is God's design. I'm just trying to make it as simple as possible. And so, so God designed it. So falling in love is not a bad thing, is it? It's a great thing. And, and kids, I, I, I think of the teens, I want you to fall in love. I do. At the right time, with the right person, in the right context. And, and you'll be so glad that you did. Right? And husbands and wives, I want you to stay in love. Right? I want you to stay in love. I want you to work through whatever problems you've been through. And, and I know that sometimes people don't follow God's design. And there's forgiveness. That's what we just sang about. And we can work through that. But even then, the point is to get back on track. Get back on God's design. Right? right? So this happens. This happens. Uh, so, we, so males and females, they attract by nature. They fall in love. And then, that, then the, the next step would be marriage. Where the idea is there's this vow of exclusivity. Right? That's what marriage is. It's part of it. It's to say, I, I am promising to my spouse, who's not here, so I can say all of this. <laughs> She's working with the kids down the hall. But I, I vow to her. That my relationship, that intimacy that I have is only going to be with her. Nobody else, period. That's what I vowed in front of my church with my dad officiating the wedding and, and all of my family and friends out there. And before God, most importantly, that's the vow that I made. And if, you, if you've uh, been married, that's the vow that you made too. And so we have this. So the idea of this, of this, of marriage is that when other prospects come along and they seek to make some type of intention to have the same type of intimacy that you have, uh, then you reject all of those. Why? Because you have made the vow of exclusivity in marriage. This is God's design. I don't hear any amens. So you believe that? <laughs> so, it, this is God's. This is God's design. So that's, that's really the idea behind marriage, and that's when sex is supposed to enter the picture. When you have a male and a female who are attracted to each other, they complement each other, they fall in love with each other, and they have sealed that with the bonds of marriage, that's when sex is supposed to enter the picture. Otherwise, it's called fornication or adultery. Are we on the same page? Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, this is simple stuff, but I want you to see... That this is God's design. It makes sense. Now, when that happens, okay, what, what are some of the... Well, actually, if you think of the, the two main purposes for sex, then can take place in a perfect way. One is pleasure. The second one is procreation, right? And so children can be the result of this, right? And children enter the picture. And when children enter the picture and their parents have followed this, this path... They followed God's design, then guess what? This is a great home environment. Psychologically, this is what kids 
need. They have committed parents. They, have, they, have, they need committed parents. It causes stability in the home. They have a stable home, and they have role models. You know, a lot of research has been done on how young boys need a male role model and they need a female role model in their lives. There have been similar studies to how girls need a male role model and a female role model. That is the ideal. That is the plan of God. That is the ideal. Now, I'm not, I know sometimes it doesn't work out that way, and God can still work. Praise the Lord for grace, right? But, ideally, this is God's design. This is what God wants for kids to be raised in an environment where they know their mom and dad are committed. They know that they're going to have a stable home. And they have role models of how a man is supposed to treat a woman and how a woman is supposed to treat a man. But our world's lost that. Our world's lost that. And instead, when he disregards God's design, and you have a male and a female, they come together, and they, they are attracted to each other, and they go straight to sex, right? Like they say on ABC Family, seven, seven times uh, that you've encountered a person. On the seventh one, okay. Unless they're good-looking, then you can give up that rule. That's, that's the norm. It's not just ABC. And so this whole concept of, of having this vow of exclusivity, of actually your relational intimacy being at the same level as your physical intimacy, they throw that right out the window. Why? Because you disregard God's design. Do you see how this goes to ignoring God? That the root of this is ignoring God? You take God, take, his design, take all that out of it? Then Why not? And you go come to the conclusion of our vice president. Why should we care who someone decides to sleep with, right? That's where you go by nature, and that's where where they go. Well, then what happens? You have you have kids, and but without that vow there, other people come along, right? And maybe this guy says, well, or this girl says, hey, this guy, I like, I think I like him, or this girl's, and then you have that. This has become the norm for kids to grow up in right now. Those, isn't that true? This is the norm. And it used to be, I remember when, when uh, one kid in my classroom at the school had to go through a divorce when I was a kid, and, and that was a big deal, and we had to all come around. We all, all tried to support him, and, and uh, it was a tough time. And nowadays, if it's, it's, the, it's the rare thing to find parents that are in a stable environment. I, I went to the store to buy balloons for my daughter's uh, birthday party last year, and, uh, and so she said, oh, what are, what are the balloons for? The lady that was uh, selling me the balloons. And I, and I said, well, I'm, this is for my daughter's birthday party. My daughter had me with me. And she said, oh, so your dad gets to visit for your birthday? What was the automatic, uh, automatic assumption? I mean, well, she's, you know, how old now? And, and, and he's about how old now? And hmm, there's no way he's been in that home for that long, right? That's the assumption that's going on in their minds. Why? Because it's, this is the norm. And, and I'm telling you, this is, this, we are suffering consequences because the world has disregarded God's view of sex. Uh, they have, we have divided parents. We have fractured homes. And role models? We don't have the role models that we used to. Here's just a couple statistics I found online. Um, uh, if anyone wants to know the source of these, I have it written up here. I know you can't read that, but come talk to me afterwards. I'll show you where, uh, where I got them. But it says, when there are not constant male and female roles in the home. Here's some statistics. One, they're twice as likely to end up in prison. Children. 
doubles their, their chances of going to prison. 63% of suicides are from single-parent homes. That's sinking. 85% of behavioral disorders that the police have to deal with, they attribute to, having, to not having two role models in the home. 71% end up with high school, drop, or high school dropouts. And that gives you some, some statistics. It goes on and on. They're more likely to use drugs. They're more likely to get divorced when they're older. They're more, they're more prone to violence. They're more likely to die by violence. And the list just goes on and on and on. And we have created a culture where this is the norm. Have we not? I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago the riots in Baltimore. I said, you know, how does that have to do, what does that have to do with sex? I said, everything. Now we see, we see that. I mean, we have, we've created a generation where, where sex is casual. In fact, I heard a, a, a woman say uh, on, on TV not long ago, uh, she said, I'm not looking for a husband, I'm looking for a father for my baby. Right? The, the, the idea of just having a husband who sticks around, that, that's just not even the norm. And, and so sex has changed and you have babies. And, and, and having all these babies has resulted in two things, two horrible, grievous things. One is an increase of abortions, Right? where they kill the babies and they think they're getting away with it. The psychological damage uh, that, that happens and, and the guilt that people go through because you, you, can, you can make it legal, but you still have a conscience that lets you know that you just killed your baby. And you have, we have a generation that's had to deal with that. And they need God. Or the other one is you have more single-parent homes or zero-parent homes. And you have babies that are being raised without role models. Never, they never learn them. Uh, there's no man there to teach them how, how to respect a woman. There's no man there to, to teach them. There's no woman there to teach them how, how to respect authority and respect the man. Next thing you know, they're standing on police cars and banging on police cars. And, and the police are dealing with this every day. And, and I'm not saying that what the police did were right. I'm not saying that at all either. Uh, but where does it all go, go back to? It goes back to the fact that we've taken God out of the equation and we followed our human natures. And this is where it leads. That's what Romans 1 says. Well, where does this lead? Well, I'd like to hit, if, uh, if we have time, I'd like to hit phases 3 and 4 today. So if Romans 1, that, uh, verses 26 and 27, this is where we'll pick up from where we left off before. Romans 1, 26 and 27. <clears throat> For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. Talk about relevant to what's going on in our world today. Is Romans 1 relevant or not? This is what is going on today. I would say that after the, the word that I use, as you go from, Im, from being image bearers to, to being uh, ignorers of God, and from there to impurity, I would call the next stage indecency. Right? Uh, indecency. Instead of following God's design, men seek that same type of intimacy with other men and women with other women. In fact, if we go back to that, that graph, you, you, you see women leave that relationship to find relationships with other women, and men leave that relationship to find that same relationship with other women. 
if you look at this, we've gone from, from being image bearers in that upper left-hand quadrant to impurity by ignoring God and following our natural desires. But our natural desires lead us to a place without satisfaction, so guess what happens? We move from impurity down to indecency. It, it's still immoral, but it's also unnatural. It goes against the nature of what God says. In fact, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? Well, let's look at the adjectives that Romans 1 says about, um, about homosexuality. Let's read it one more time. For this reason, God has given them up to what? Vile passions. For even their women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Unnatural. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. What does the Bible say about homosexuality? It says that it's vile. Vile. The, the Greek word for that is atomia. Atomia. That means repulsive or highly offensive. You know, it's offensive to God. And yet we have churches that are that are accepting it. The world says it's, it's, it's genetic, so they say, well, if it's genetic, then God made them that way, and if God loves them that way, then, and, and you know what? God does love them. Anyone disagree with that? Because God loves the sinners, right? And so, by no means does, does that put them into a category of, of and it, that's worse in one sense, it's just that they're further down the road, and guess what? It's the road we would all take if we follow our natures. They need Christ, just like every single one of us needed Christ. And so it's vile, it's repulsive, it's highly offensive to God. What else does, the, does Romans 1 say? It says it's unnatural. It's unnatural. You know what that means? It's not genetic. Can I say that from the pulpit? It's not genetic. In fact, they know it's not genetic. If, if you read um, After the Ball, the, the book, which was the, the Bible for the, the uh, gay uh, uh, propagandism and, and, uh, and there, which was partially written by our Deputy Secretary of Education, just to let you know that. They even say in there, we have to convince the world that homosexuality is genetic, even though we know it is not. They know it's a lie. They're going to try and convince you. Uh, we'll, we'll go into more detail into that uh, at some other time if anyone wants some more information on that question. But uh, the Bible says it's not natural. It's not the way that nature goes. But if we follow, the, if we follow our natures, it'll end, us take, it'll end up taking us, to, uh, taking us there. It also goes on to say that it's shameful. If there's any doubt in your mind whether or not it's sin, what does the Bible say? It's shameful. Then it goes on to say that there's a penalty. So they receive their due penalty. And I'm telling you what, I'm telling you what. The moment that we as a culture accept that and we put our stamp of approval on that, there, will, there are penalties for that. Were there penalties for following our natural desires? Yes. Look at the divorce rate. Look at what the kids are doing. Look, look at how the kids are being raised without any sense of, of submission to authority, without the role models. Look at what's going on in our culture. And you see it. Just wait till you see what happens when we follow unnatural desires in our society. Do you believe me? Yeah. One of my favorite uh, lectures uh, by one of my favorite professors, uh, his name was Rembert Carter, and uh, he was a, his a historian. He had a mind like a trap. You know those kind of people? 
and uh, I started a conversation with him when I was in ninth grade. Didn't see him for five years. I go into a room, and he's taking attendance with 220 other freshman students. He saw my name, and he said, hey, Dave, and he just picked up that conversation right where we left off. He's that kind of guy, you know? Friends with, he was an advisor to Ronald Reagan, and he helped Romania rewrite the Constitution. Brilliant guy. And my favorite lecture of his is where he walked through every civilization from throughout the history of man. And when you, when you see that public acceptance is mandatory of homosexual sin, then you see an immediate decline in that civilization. Right. Every single time without exception. And, um, and, it's, and it's what we see. There's a penalty for this. You think that it's just behind closed doors and, that, and, so, and everyone should just leave each other alone. This is why we as Christians care. Because we love our society. Penalty that is due for their error. What does the Bible say? It's an error. It's a sin. Now, I want to be careful here. I, I, I want to tell you exactly what the Bible says, and so that's why I'm saying this. It's not comfortable for me up here. Anyone, yeah. anyone else yeah. feel the same way? <laughs> yeah. But this is what the Bible says. But this is in Romans. We go through sin. The very next thing is salvation. I want you to know that I, I am not saying we should condemn homosexuals. We should condemn homosexuality, yes. It's a sin. We should condemn it as sin. But we should not condemn homosexuals. If you're struggling with homosexuality, you have same-sex attraction, uh, we don't hate you. Right? In a group this size, I guarantee there's, there, there are people who, who struggle with that. Uh, over, over Thanksgiving, I, allowed, I had a guy who, who was a homosexual stay in our house for a few days. And we worked with him. He came, he came and visited our church. And uh, I'll tell you this, by the way, the Lord has gotten hold of him now. He has no interest in physical relationships with men anymore. In fact, he's got a girlfriend. <laughs> um, but um, and I'd like to invite him back sometime as well, too. And, but, but the Lord does great things. So even though we're, we're focusing on the sin right now, I want you to know, our God is way bigger than that. Right? Our God is way bigger than that. So I want you to understand that. But we also have to, to see where... It leads, and if you think that following our natural desires led our country into some uh, into an awful mess, just wait until we allow and, and, and actually we actually propagate unnatural sin. Just wait till we see what happens from there. And where does it lead? Where does it lead? Well, the very next verses says, "And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind." What does that mean? It's a mind that doesn't even work right. That's what it means. A non-functioning, improperly functioning mind. And it goes on and gives examples. To, to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. Disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Wow. Probably some of the strongest words in the Bible, right? Strong words. And we see that this is where it leads. I read an article uh, recently, uh, this week, where someone took, ignored all of those ne- negative things that it said and just focused on uh, disobedient to parents and said, oh, so homosexuality is not quite as bad as disobeying your parents, so I guess we're not all that bad anyway. That's not what it's saying. 
It's saying if, if you follow your natural desires, and then you, that leads you to your unnatural desires, and then that's going to open the world, that's going to change society. We're not just talking about a kid who disobeys his parents. We're talking about creating a generation that completely, as the focus on in here is all complete, the utter, those words, completely disregard their parents. It would not surprise me if we get to a point where by the time we're 65, 70 years old, uh, the next generation says, you know what, you guys have lived an awful long time, and we've already spent your Social Security. So it, you've had your time. And you think, oh, you know, euthanasia, and that stuff, that'll never happen here. Just wait. Just wait. Because sin, this is this path of sin. And it's happened multiple times in history. And we think, oh, it could never happen again. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Why? Because we lose our ability to even reason. We have a debased mind. And I think, if I can be honest, I think we're starting to see that happen. We're starting to see that happen. Uh, and, and so, really, what we've gone from, from image bearers to ignorance to impurity to indecency, and, and now I would, I, I'm using the word inhumanity. What I mean by that is humans, by human, what does that mean? We, that means we reflect the image of God. We actually lose that ability to reflect the image of God. We're like broken mirrors, right? And, and we no longer reflect the image of God. And that's when we have completely come full circle and we have lost our ability to be image bearers of our Creator. And it's the path to wrath. And, and, and that's, that's what, it's a debased mind. Where are we in America, if I could be honest? Have, have we ignored God? Have we been through that stage? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Bibles are out, right? Um, um, the, the Ten Commandments are out of almost every courtroom in the, in the country now. In fact, uh, just a couple weeks ago when we were talking in our prayer time on Wednesday night, uh, some kids were going on a field trip, and the principal, the vice principal, went ahead to make sure because they were going to go on a property that belonged to religious people, and so they went and used tape and whatever, covered any mention of God on the walls. You can't, you can't let your kids be exposed to, you. yeah, talk about ignoring God. We've been there a long time ago. Uh, I mean, I, I remember a girl that I dated in high school. She was a valedictorian at her school, and, uh, and she, was, she loved the Lord, and so she got to give her speech. And she turned in her speech, and they crossed out every reference of God and said, here you go. This, is in, this was in 1991. Uh, right? We are long past the ignoring stage. How about the impurity stage? Oh, man, you see it everywhere. And to where on, on a family channel, the idea that you should, you should maybe wait seven times uh, until seven days before you have sex, uh, that's the norm. We have, we have movies. Uh, there's a, there was a movie, boy, this was more than a decade ago, about a high schooler who tried to go 40 days without having sex. What's the, what's the message that they're telling the teens? If you haven't had sex and it's been 40 days, then you are. Right? Is our culture there, or am I the only one? Our culture's there. And now we come to the point where indecency is not only, as it says in, in uh, the end of the verse uh, there, says, not only do they, do they do the same, but they also approve of those who practice them. Our culture is approving indecency, the unnatural sins. Fifty Shades of Grey is the first step into, the, into sadomasochism. And, and words, even by people in churches, I saw it on Facebook. Well, it's romantic if you get past the nudity. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's completely going against God's design. Shame on us. 
for, for, for following that kind of, falling for that kind of stuff. It's in humanity at his definition. That's what, where is America? Right there. And I would say, even as you go into this inhumanity, it's debased mind, we're beginning to see it. I read an article just yesterday because I heard a reference to it on Fox News, and I thought, there's no way they actually said that. Ivy League school professors of psychology, they, they ought to know better than that. Uh, but what did they, they said? They said that uh, the parents, they have found through studies that parents who read to their children uh, or, you know, that those children, if their parents have read to them as a child and they encourage a lot of reading, have multiple advantages in the rest of life. Okay. But their, their take on it, these are intelligent people, right? Their take on it was that parents who read to their children are giving an unfair advantage to their children and should stop. <laughs> you laugh at that, right? Ivy League professors are, are teaching this right now, right? Why? Is it because they're, they're dumb? They're stupid? No. It's because as a culture, we're getting to a point where our minds are not even going to work like they should. This should be common sense, right? You say, no, no, that could never happen. It's going to happen. It's happened multiple times. It can happen again. It's the nature of sin. What about you? Let's, let's bring it down to, to us today. Let me, let me ask you this. Have you fallen for the lie that homosexuality is natural? Because that's been the... Pro- they, they said this would be their goal. They've been working on this for over a decade now. Have you fallen for the lie that homosexuality is natural? To the point where you say, ah, well, it's not so bad. And, oh, I've got gay friends, I've got straight friends. And, and you ignore all of that. Because so you've been brainwashed. You've been brainwashed. Do you recognize that homosexuals... Practicing homosexuals are lost? See, if Satan can convince us that they're not lost, then we're not going to try and reach them. Right? And, and I'll be the first to tell you, we should not hate homosexuals. We should invite them into your home, right? With reason. <laughs> Have relationships. I, w- I was invited to a wedding uh, uh, where the, the, the people getting married purposely put me at a table with their homosexual friends because they just... They like to incite things. <laughs> and when those friends went back to her and said, we like this guy. We like, we like Dave and Monica. They're actually cool people. It, it drove her nuts. Okay? <laughs> drove her nuts. And she hasn't talked to us since. <laughs> yeah, we should love people, right? We love people where they're at. And we, we should recognize that they're lost and, and help them, Right? And, and, and so the moment we just start saying, well, we, we put approval, stamp of approval on their, on their sin, then they're never going to repent of sin. Right? Number three, do you love them enough to stand up for the truth? Do you love them enough to stand up for the truth? Churches today are not. You're finding a lot of churches that are saying, there's just been too much pressure from the outside. But I hope that it can never be said of Heritage Baptist Church that we listen to people instead of listening to the Word of God. And, and when we follow this, God will be with us. Oh, yeah. Does that say God? God gives them over. God gives them over. God, yeah, He can leave a society, but there's a promise He has to every individual who accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. was that? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Amen. Amen. He is with you. And we might go through a lot of stuff, bad stuff, 
because of what our culture is going to go through. But our God is with us. He's always with us. And we have the advantage. We have eternity on our side. Amen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. I just want to ask you, first of all, is there anyone here who would be honest enough to say, Pastor Dave, I'm somewhere on that path to wrath. Maybe I haven't been giving God the credit that is due. Maybe I've been ignoring God. I've been pretending like he doesn't exist. Maybe you're involved in some natural sense. Or maybe even some of the unnatural sense. doesn't matter where you are on that path. The solution's the same and it's come to Jesus Christ. I want to ask you today, is there anyone here that would be honest enough, no one's looking around, it's just you and me and God, that would say, Pastor Dave, that's me and I would like to repent today. I would like to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today. Just raise your hand. No one's looking around. And if that's you today, I want you to know, as soon as we're done with the service, as you walk out the door, we'll have people with lanyards that says, ask me. If you're not 100% sure that you're on your way to heaven, don't walk out of here without making sure. Make sure that your sins are forgiven. And you're taken off that path to wrath. And you're put on the path to glory. Maybe there are some of you in here who could say, Pastor Dave, I do believe in God's word, but I've kind of started to fall for some of the lies that society has been propagating. Could you just raise your hand? No one's one's looking at you. But today I'm choosing to say, I am going to follow God's word. Not what any human being tells me. Would you just raise your hand? See that hand? Any others? There might be some here who would say, Pastor Dave, I've recognized that homosexuality is a sin, but I haven't loved homosexuals. I refuse to, to talk to them or I refuse to show them the truth or I refuse to stand up for the truth. Maybe that's you. Just take a moment right now and confess that to the Lord. May we all go forward from here totally convinced that God's word is God's word. We can't water down the definitions of sin. We have to use God's definitions of sin. And we're going to preach the grace that God preaches in his word. Father, I thank you so much for who you are. Lord, if we're honest, every single person in this room would have to say we have been on that path to wrath. We don't acknowledge you. We don't give you the credit that is due you. We don't recognize your design in things, and we don't follow those designs in many cases. But Lord, today we, we have that opportunity to repent. And because of what Jesus did on the cross... That repentance is all we have to do to receive the grace of forgiveness. Lord, if there's anyone in here that needs to repent of any any sin, whether it's ignorance, natural sin, unnatural sin, we thank you for your forgiveness.
Sunday. That we can walk out of this room today knowing we're in your presence. And knowing that we are clean. That we're taken off that path to rest.